Welcome to Voice Fiction. Meet authors of e-books, audiobooks, and audio drama. Be enlightened by post-production specialists, directors, voice actors, and learn more about the wonderful world of online audio. And now your host, John Tatterzak. Welcome back to Voice Fiction. At our table, we have Bobby Owens, Glenn Higby, Colin Thornton, and myself, Captain John Tatterzak. This is the second half of Voice Fiction's Copyright Laws with our special guest, Robert. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I did a uh, Super Bowl commercial for Chevy. I got hired, um, not by auditioning, but I had um, one of the actresses in that uh, Chevy commercial I had done a play with about six months before. So she got hired to do to be the mom in the Chevy commercial. Right. She calls me one day and says that uh, the director's looking for someone to play her husband and wanted to know if I was I was interested. So originally it was a spec commercial. So I hopped online and I looked at the director's work. And I really loved it. I was like, oh, this guy's really good. He's a genius. So I had, to, I said, yeah, I'll do it. I want to work with him. So did the commercial. It was originally supposed to be entered into a contest for the London Film Festival. Okay. And um, they, they submitted it to, for that. Chevy loved it so much. I get an email one day saying that they actually took it out of the competition for that and they wanted to put it on the Super Bowl. So oh, cool. That, that's how it ended up getting into the Super Bowl. And, Tell uh, me that you got paid really well, or at least money for it. And it wasn't just like, well, we knew this was spec, so we don't have to pay you. Tell me that as a lawyer, you got paid. No, really no, no. What, happened, what happened was, no, it was spec, but we were going to get paid. And we did cool. get paid. Once it got picked up, we got paid. But then the story gets even better. Because about <laughs> two, weeks, two weeks before the Super Bowl, I get a call from an advertising agency out in Michigan. And they're like, well, this is a Chevy commercial. Um, so we need to use Tim Allen to do the, the tag. Ugh. Ugh. So. We gotta we gotta hire everybody as SAG. <laughs> so, oh, cool though. Oh, nice. I was like, okay, no problem. So that's how a spec commercial turned into a, a SAG commercial. Full SAG. Congratulations on yeah, that. Really, I that's think a ha- that happy is news ex- story. That is excellent. What are you working on now in terms of VO and acting? I mean, I know you're auditioning, like we all audition, and so on and so forth. But you have anything coming up? The funny thing is, I actually just did a voiceover. Poor Chevy, but wow. you didn't hear it here. <laughs> I just finished recording it. So. Oh wow! I'm telling Tim. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know what it's for. TV or whatever. I just recorded. Set the I have to talk to the. Uh, it's a director I used. To, he used me a bunch of times before, so usually he, he'll tell me like after I recorded what we're gonna what he's gonna use it for. And I, I have a, an audition for that commercial. Another commercial tomorrow that I'm going Let's- in for. What's the commercial? Why don't you tell us? It's okay. Uh, it's unless, for, unless you're superstitious. It's for a teeth whitener. I don't even know the, the product yet. So okay. I'll, find out, I'll find out when I go there. Uh, where, if we wanted to see something about you, or, or where could we go? Besides, I mean, I'm sure it's Facebook, but do you have a website and all that? Yep. If you go to robpaglia.com, you can uh, check out all, a lot of my work and my resume, bio, lots of things about me there. And see the clips and such and see the Chevy commercial? Yep, the Chevy commercial's on there. Um, another commercial I just did for Holiday Inn Express is on there. The Bushnell clip. <laughs> and let's say we wanted to hire you. Let's say now, let's say I've got a legal problem and I wanted to uh, talk to you about it, whatever. Is that the same place or do you yep. do that separately? Nope, you can reach me through that website too. It has all my contact information on there. So that that's 
the best place to go is that that website. So excellent. Uh, I hear that you are, are an author as well, Robert. Can you tell us about your book? I am. Yes, I uh, wrote the book Voiceover Legal, which is available at voiceoverlegal.com. <laughs> Um, it's, it goes over all the all the things a voiceover artist needs to know, um, and it also applies to actors and musicians and broadcasters. A lot of it crosses um, different entertainment industries, like what type of business entity to set up, and copyright issues, and trademark issues, and agents, agency contracts. Uh, I have a little sample contract in there that a voiceover artist should use to protect themselves. Um, so it goes over quite a quite a bit of things. Uh, is there and, a chapter in there on uh, using the Hell's Angels as a collection agency? <laughs> no, actually, I say you can't hire Uncle Vinny to use you as your collection agent. <laughs> no knee breaking. This is uh, Colin talking again. You know, it's something that strikes me that's strange about the arts community. It doesn't matter if it's visual arts or written arts. Or or audio arts, whatever it is, is artists spend all this time going to school and learning their craft and, and polishing their technique and all that. And not a single school that I've ever known will spend more than a minute talking about the business side of it yep. or the, the legal side of it. I mean, how, yep. you know, how, how could people be so clueless? I know exactly what you mean. And in fact, we've run across this John Florian of uh, VoiceOver Extra, he's, he's the one who published my book. And he's been trying to get the book into universities, and they want no part of it. Now, we don't teach that in our curriculum. That's, that's the standard answer that we get. And he's like, well, why not? Same thing you just said. Yeah, it's it like the law is somehow beneath them. You know, that's, that's for plebeian. That's, you know, it's not the, the high values that we're trying to shoe and, and uh, teach in the school. Yeah, I, I don't get it. You know? too. I mean, I went, to, I went to art school, and, and not one word about the business. Not yep. one single word. Exactly. And the law and business are they're intertwined. So really, when they're teaching, when you're teaching about the business, you're you know the law has to come up. Yeah. As part. So it, the mind, mind is you know when I my book too, it's very intertwined. The business and the law. If you understand one, you'll understand. Well, you're not going to stand all understand all the you know the technicalities of the legalities, but you don't need to. You just need to know how to protect yourself. With yeah, ex- you know when to phone you. Exactly. When to pick up the phone and yeah, talk to your <laughs> agent or your lawyer. Exactly. Now, then, this is the time to put in your 1-800 number. <laughs> you know what, Call though? now, call often. Operators are standing by. <laughs> you know what? I think I know why, though. All right. So I'm not going to teach it in public school that much because that would be a specialized thing. I just want to give you the basics and get you through whatever. I know that you're not from America. Uh, Colin, you're not in America, right? You're no. in Canada? Okay. But they're not going to do that here because it's all about money in the United States everywhere, but definitely in the United States. So they want you to go take a business class. Business classes are normally, unless you go to a business high school, is normally given only in college. And that's an extra credits, that's extra paying, whatever. So you've got to pay to learn about that. If they gave it to you all at once, they wouldn't make any money. Well, but that's fine. But they should at least have the class where, because if it's a business class, it's not going to be a regular business class. No. It's be a business class about whatever whatever. But they art. do have that. I mean, I went to Syracuse U. I went to Newhouse School. They have that. Okay, well, but, that's good. But it's, it's a yeah. separate saying. Robert, can you just give us, just we'll, we'll stick it in. I'm pretty sure I know where your book is. Just give us the, do you have the, is it on your website where the website is? I know it's on Amazon, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's uh, voiceoverlegal.com. Real quick before we let you go, how do radio stations more and TV stations, how do they get away with playing that the music over commercials? How does that work? They pay, uh, well, 
TV commercials don't. TV uh, for TV, all those commercials, the music has to be licensed. For radio, oh, okay. For radio, like if it's the DJ doing the commercial and they yes. play the music, they pay yes. they pay the fee to ASCAP or BMI, and they take care of you know paying the tracking the uh -huh. song. So it's just like the song was played regularly during the the program. So they, okay. they count a play over the commercial as a play, and the artist gets paid that way. So Interesting. So okay, piggybacking cool. off of that, let's say you're watching – we always go back to this, don't we, guys? Let's say I'm watching The View, and Sherry Shepard says, oh, I can't hum that song because I don't want to pay any money. Is she kidding when she's saying I can't hum the song for, like, you know, a couple of bars? You know how we all hum oh, something. Or no, if she, So if she hummed that for a second or two – I don't even mean the whole song, obviously. She would be in trouble for humming a song because it's on TV, even though it's just part of the experience. Well, wouldn't she wouldn't be in trouble. What would happen is the network would have to pay the, you know, the royalty fee. Oh. But isn't it eight bars? Isn't it like eight bars? It was always in sampling. When I used to do music, it was like you're allowed to take either it was four or eight or six bars before you got in trouble. Well, that's the, again, gray. There's no, like, if you know in two bars what the song is, you got to pay. You got to pay for it. You know, it has to be recognizable. So, like, in four or eight bars, you might not be able to know what the song is. So that's fine. But if you can recognize what the song is, no matter how many notes are played, then you have to you have to pay the artist for the use of the of the music. So if any one of those women on that show or anywhere, it doesn't have to be that show, obviously, just hummed like, I can't even think of a song in my head, but whatever song it is, just I like, oh, you know that song, they would have to pay for one usage of that or would the they, how would... Yeah, it goes through uh, BMI. So it, it's already paid. Like ASCAP, they've already paid their fee to ASCAP and BMI. And then so but how, much BMI. Would they, how much does that network have to pay? Like if she happened to, uh, to sing two bars of a Justin Bieber song, let's just say, and obviously this, the view goes all over the world. World, I guess. I don't know where it goes, but let's just say it goes all over the world or whatever. Uh, potentially, how much would the network have to pay for her to because she just hummed two bars? Not much. It would you know, be 20 cents or 30 cents or something like that. It's oh, oh, so it's not like thousands and millions of dollars for her to, you know. No, no, Unless no. there's a minimum charge that you mentioned before. Well, it, it would be part of their, you know, like, they would have to license it the same way that anybody else would through the Harry Fox agency, but they, since it's a network, they don't have to do that. They just pay a fee to BMI or so it would just be a minimal. Right. It would be a minimal. It wouldn't be thousands of dollars, even though they're broadcast all over the world. And she just did, you know, yeah, it would two just bars. Be, she considered one play of that song, and you know, the network would have to, you know, they get their they would get their bill from ASCAP or BMI for how many usages of that of the of whatever songs that they play. But if it's a humming thing, it's not a it's not a full usage. If it's just a humming of two bars, yeah, but, but if it's recognizable, I, I can't even give you. It would be a yeah. I'm saying if it's re I'm yeah. saying it's recognizable. She says, oh yeah, you know, remember when Justin Bieber did? And I can't give you a Justin Bieber song, thank goodness. But if I <laughs> that's all she did. Let's say that was Justin Bieber. That's all she did. That's all she wrote. I that mean, would be not millions of dollars, but no, 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 no. It's not millions of dollars. It would be the at worst. It would be a statutory royalty that had to get paid, you know, through okay. BMI or ASCAP. So you can see, you know, twenty or thirty cents, whatever. It's not. It's not a huge amount of money. Okay. So right. it's yeah. I'll tell you one thing, it's so intertwined, yeah, I definitely need people like Robert around to ask these questions, or we would probably all be sued over something. Just remember there's two there's two there's two there's usage and then there's ownership. They're two separate things. So the broadcast would be usage. So if if you're broadcasting the music, that's 
that's where the royalties come in, the statutory royalties. If you're using the music, like in your own uh, your own demo or your own TV show or your own film, that's where the mechanical and the sync licenses come in. What about all these people that try to do their own radio station through the internet and they play these old songs and stuff? There's a big debate about that now going on because um, that's a part of the TuneSat thing we were talking about before, too, because the rates that internet radio stations are paying are higher than the regular broadcast terrestrial radio stations are paying. So they're actually paying a lot more um, for per play. But than, what if they're not paying anything at all? In other words, they just uh, downloaded a song or they copied it off their own radio, uh, their own record that they may have, and they're saying, you know, well, I'm now podcasting and I have uh, 500 uh, fans or something and they're all listening to this song. That's a violation. That's exactly what TuneSat would send you the letter for, you know, for 2500 bucks or $5,000 for using, you know, not paying into the system to get uh, royalties paid. So all you would-be uh, radio stations, podcasters, listen up on that one. I've uh, got a question. If someone, I know Misfits Audio does a lot of uh, original uh, stories. If someone took the plot of, say, Jim Nolan, which is a private eye show, and they kept the plot, but they changed the name, does, say, uh, Misfits Audio have any uh, protection? If it's the same story, sure. Yeah, I mean... That's what copyright's for. That's, okay. That's, it'll protect the, the story, not necessarily just the character names, but it protects the whole story. So so even though they may change their name, they may call it Joe Blow, Private Eye, and but the same story, they're in violation. Right. If you can prove that they, they didn't have the idea the same time that you did. So that's why it's important to copyright it, because that's why that's how you can prove. Like, if you copyrighted it first, then but it's could, presumed... But could you your, just say, I, what you say being copyrighted, but couldn't you just say, or you have it typed in uh, copyrighted 2013 no, under the under the gray uh, gray area of the law. Nope, that's not good enough. You need to actually register it with uh, the U.S. Copyright Office in order to to enforce any of the rights under the Copyright Act. It must be registered with them. So hey, this is Colin speaking, Robert. In the past, I have used what I think is called the poor man's copyright. At least in Canada, <laughs> we call it that. And, <laughs> I know what and, that is, and they write. And you put it in an envelope. You put the address on it. Put the stamp over the seal and mail it to yourself, and don't open it. Correct. And in thirty years of being in business, I only had to use it once, and I won the case. Yep. And wow. Now, well, this is the way copyright works. As soon as you create a work, it's copyrighted. But the problem is... Prove it. Prove it is one and two damages. Because you'd have to then prove that what your damages are. And if it's if you register it under U.S. copyright law, the, the statute tells you what the damages are. So there's statutory damages that you can... So you don't need to prove that you lost any money out of your pocket. You can still get the statutory damages under the, the act. Plus, you can get them to stop using... You can have them cease and desist under the, the uh, copyright law. So that's that's why poor man's copyright is not really a copyright. You still it's it's you lose all the protection of the act by just filing. It's only like thirty five bucks to file a manuscript. It's really cheap. So yeah, but if you have an example with Misfits Audio, you have a uh, a series and you have uh, let's say you've got a hundred and five episodes. Yep. Well, One that time. means you. One time, or you got to do per episode? Nope. Record them all and send them in. Pay 35 bucks, And there's a, a place on the application, copyright a series. So you can just copyright the whole series, no problem. Even though even though the the series is continuing ongoing after you copyrighted it? Yep. You can add to the series, and it's not a full 35 bucks to do that. Like, if you're adding to a series, 
you know, it's, it's the fee is cheaper. But you, you still got to file. You still file it, yep, to protect it. I remember, Captain, and, and you can tell me this, Robert, if I'm right. I, when I used to copyright my songs, it was like there were some people who didn't want to do copyright song by song because it was expensive, not as expensive as it is now. Right. So you could right. do the works of Bobby Owens, the works exactly. of John Tatterzak, yep. and you have all of those listed da, 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 and give them the CD or whatever you're going to give them, or whatever, right. sheet music. And it's still on file, if I'm, am I correct, Robert? So therefore, if yep. there was any problem, they can go back there. And they can say, well, yeah, she did copyright all this, so it's under protected by law. I, I guess I'm right. Okay. You're right. And that's yeah, what you the works, do. The works to, to, would be for music. Yeah. So that's what Seriously. I used to do. I mean, I didn't do it. I did every one because I was just scared. You but it wouldn't do- be financial feasible if, uh, if everything is a volunteer situation and you're not receiving any money. Yeah, but you don't know who could take it and then receive money. I, I, I know that. What I'm just saying is Apple Misfits has so many different original shows that the cost would become prohibited to do all those different shows, to get them copyrighted, not knowing which one will be impringed of, or just somebody try taking it or something. Well, you need to but put the that... notice up anyway. I mean, well, the notice, is, the notice is up. there. That's fine. Yeah, so the notice is there in writing, and technically it's, it's already there. So if anybody puts anything up after that, you can always trace back the date they put it up. Right, and then what you should do is just copyright it once a year or something like that. You know, that's what I would do. Take all your shows for the year, copyright them in one shot as your 2013 series, your 2014 series. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's the easiest oh. way to do it. And so, the cost oh, so of he that can, is $35? He, can copyright, he can copyright like 2013 series of Star Rabbit tracks and, and list them all? Yeah, as a series. Yep. There you go. Hmm. So they wouldn't have to be uh, one series, uh, Star Rabbit track, another series, just uh, so-and-so and so-and-so all together, and it's $35 for the whole thing for one year. Yeah. It's just you need to register the work with the copyright office mm-hmm. so that it's there, so that anyone who wants to find it can find it. That's that's the point. So, But you don't have to do it individually. I mean, you can definitely do it where it's economical. Right. Um, you just want it to be registered so that as you have proof. Yeah, as a record. That okay. You have proof that it was done. So. Okay. And we know it takes a while for you to get that notice back, but you can't look online to see if they received it, but it takes a while for you to get that notice back sometimes well, like you can a actually, year. You can do it online now. So yeah. if you do it online, and there'll, there'll be a receipt that you'll get instantly yeah. once you file it. That's so good. It makes it easier. That's really good. And you know, question, Will, do you, I'm sorry, Colin. Go yeah, ahead. Go, go, no, okay. I, just, I just had a, a, suddenly a horrifying thought. Uh-oh. You're not billing us for this time, are you, Robert? Uh-oh. Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm sending you, the, sending you an invoice in the morning. Uh, with that thought, we need to take a break, and we'll be right back <laughs> after that. Hello, I'm Russell Gold, and I play the title character in Jim Nolan Private Eye, a private detective series set in Boston of the 1970s. Join me as I investigate some very unusual cases. You can listen at MisfitsAudio.com. Welcome back, folks. We're continuing our little talk with Robert, and we do appreciate him being here. So, does anybody else have any more questions? Yes, I do. Let's say you wrote something. I'm going to use me as an example. I wrote something, and then a show I'm producing, I decide to use my own music. Let's say the show gets picked up. I've copywritten this. It's, It's done. It's been years ago. The show gets picked up, puts on air. I'm getting mechanicals and stuff from this if they use it as the theme song, correct? Even though it's mine. Yes. Yes. I love that. I hope this gets picked up. <laughs> I want money. <laughs> okay. That's all I want to know. <laughs> right. You deserve it, lady. <laughs> Thank you. I think anything else? I think we're, we've, we've exhausted this poor man. If I want to license a property, where can I look to find out who to talk to? Would they talk to you, for example? Um, you would talk to the copyright owner. 
So that that's who you need to talk to to get a permission or a license to use the work. And as we mentioned earlier, if it's a if it's a song music, um, the Harry Fox Agency will get you the broadcast license. So you can broadcast it over the internet or on radio or TV. How long does that last, Rob? It lasts per play. So you buy you buy them per you know number of broadcasts, and then once it's used up, you have to renew it or get billed for things over that. So if they're looking to do something with a book, would they contact a publishing company, or would they yes. contact, or they would contact the publishing company through the author, or does the publishing company have all rights to that book? Most of the time, the publishing company has the rights. It's best to contact them first. You know, like there may be some rights that the author still has, like uh, for the audiobook, for instance. So usually the publisher will just say that, you know, the audiobook rights are the author's. So you have to, then you'd contact them. So, okay. folks, do we have any other questions? I think we've used Rob to death. Yeah, let him get some sleep for his audition. Anything you would like to add, Robert? I mean, uh, obviously, there's a lot more to entertainment law than just copyright. And, you know, we, we scratch the surface of it. But, you know, trademarks is another big area of entertainment law contracts. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'd like to call it close for tonight. And, uh, Rob, we do appreciate your expertise on the matter of copyright laws. And, again, if somebody has a question, how can they contact you? If you go to robpaglia.com. And Would you, you spell that? R-O-B. P-A-G-L-I-A dot com. Um, you can either email me there or my phone number's there so you can call me directly. That's fantastic. We appreciate that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, questions out there with people uh, to contact you. Just be aware, people, that if it gets too involved, he will probably ask you for some donations. Thank you so much, Rob. It's great talking to you. Yeah, Thank very you. En- enlightening. Thank you very much. And it's good Thank to talk you. to you again, Robert. Thank you. You too, Bobby. Hey, Rob, work with me here. This is Glenn. What if we played this right now on this podcast? Uh, no, it's not going to work. Or what if we played this? No, no. Or how about this? Yeah, that'd be fine. Robert is your lawyer, right, Captain? So, I mean, technically, he he can't sue you if he represents you at the same time. That's true. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to sue you anyway, so it's okay. Okay, so this concludes... Our uh, talk with uh, Robert on the podcast of copyright, voice fiction, and the law. Thank you for listening in. Good night. This is your announcer, Joe Stopko, for Voice Fiction. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again. The opinions expressed during roundtable discussions are that of individuals and do not necessarily reflect the position of voice fiction. This episode is copyright 2013. Voice Fiction Productions. For full disclaimer and privacy policy, visit voicefiction.com.